Hello and welcome to the Indie Alternative Podcast. It's me, Chris. Welcome to episode one of season four. It's finally here uh, and it's really good to be back. Uh, on this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Rob Goodwin of the band The Slow Show. Um, and I first got into The Slow Show, I think, back in 2014, 2015 maybe. Uh, saw them live a few times and really enjoy the band. They've got a really deep sound and Rob's got quite a unique vocal which adds so much depth to the tracks that they produce. We talk a bit about the new album and the tour that's coming up in February and I've put a link to their website in the show notes so you can follow what's happening there and check out uh, their music because it is really ace. Just before we hit the interview, here's a quick reminder of all the ways that you can support the podcast. So follow on social media, just search for the Indie Alternative Podcast on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. And as you know, this is completely independent. Uh, I don't have any ads or sponsorship. So if you want to support financially, you can do. And there's a link to a coffee donation page in the show notes as well. And there you can donate £3 or subscribe monthly. It's completely up to you. And the last thing that really helps is if you rate and review and it only takes a few minutes so if you could do that that'd be fantastic so that's it for the waffle and here's rob welcome to the podcast rob goodwin how are you very well thank you whereabouts are you i'm in uh Oberville in dusseldorf in germany you've been there for a few years now haven't you you've moved out there yes been here three three years what was the catalyst to get you to sort of move there permanently? Catalyst, I met my girlfriend at a festival here in Germany. She's German. And uh, so we, yeah, a bit of a decision between Manchester, which will always be home. I'm so proud and close to the city. It will always be a huge part of me. But uh, we decided uh, to stop. At the time, I was thinking that I'd be touring a lot. So it seemed fairer that I moved to Dusseldorf. But uh, yeah. <laughs> That was all uh, about to change, but no, really happy to be in this one. You've been very busy in with in Europe, especially Germany, Switzerland, and other other parts of like the, the EU, the lovely EU. What are the audiences like there? Uh, are they different to the UK audiences, or is there some sort of similarities? They are very different. I, I, certainly, one of the things I love about touring, just seeing how people, how the audiences are, are different. I mean, there's a lot of common sort of things but they're, they're very different i mean even going from somewhere like holland to belgium you really notice them the right next door um and the drives are so short to get to from country to country but when we started we we were lucky enough we, we were asked to go to switzerland and do a short tour there and i think it was so important for us and it was so we, we were so um it was so fortunate because the crowds there were so intensive. It was like you could hear a pin drop mm. and we were still really finding our feet. So we weren't, we, we had so much still to learn, but they really gave us a chance there. And I think if we'd have started in a busy bar in London or Manchester or somewhere in the UK, I think it would have been much harder for us to, 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 to get going. And I think playing in some of those places, uh, particularly in Switzerland and in, and in Belgium, the, the crowds were so attentive and it was, yeah. it, it was really a really fortunate opportunity for us to start there. Do you think it's, it's, there's, there's more of a, 
a patience in terms of like uh, letting a band uh, grow in front of them as opposed to what feels to be like in the UK audiences, not all of them, but there's always, there seems to be like they want an immediate uh, delivery, if you know what I mean. Uh, and if it's not there, you tend to lose the audience quite quickly, especially if you're first starting out, as you say. Yeah, I think there's definitely, I mean, we love it now in the UK as well. And, but I think it's very hard. There's a, there's a section between, so there's a time between starting and, 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 and then getting a bit of momentum. And those that first year when you're really finding your feet, I think that can be difficult in the UK because you, you, you very end up end up in you very often end up in a you know a, a bar with a hundred people and it's noisy and it, and it's busy and because mm. you're not well known, people are less likely to be, you know, hanging hanging off your every note of music. So um I think it's a little bit busier, it's a little bit bustier in the UK, um, and it's probably a little bit more difficult. I mean, for bands like us, we're kind of, it's not the loudest music in the world, so it, it, it's really nice when, you, when uh, you're lucky enough to play to people that are really attentive, and, and we got yeah. that opportunity at a really early stage, so really grateful for that. Well, when did it all start for you, Rob? I mean, can you remember your first kind of musical influences and what got you into songwriting? Yeah, I, I've mentioned this before, but it was it, it was really important, a really important part of my life. Very when I was very young, my parents were uh, they're not musicians, but they loved music, and and we'd go on holidays, and I always remember you know, long drives in the car. They seemed they seemed so long at the time. I was probably seven or eight, and we'd drive from from Manchester to to Scotland or somewhere, and my dad would be listening to James Taylor and uh, Joni Mitchell, and my mum would be listening to like popular music and Motown. So I was really lucky to be exposed to like a, a beautiful mix of music, and and uh, that, that had a huge effect on me. And I'll, I've never stopped loving those songs, James Taylor, and um, particularly like it was just painfully good songwriting moved me even at that age I remember being really moved and picking up the guitar would, would you remember your first kind of pen to paper moment with writing and, and guitaring yeah it would have been in Manchester in uh, when I was probably in my early 20s I, I, did, I was you know I wasn't really young I wasn't old but I was I know some people start writing really really young at college and stuff but I was it was probably a bit later maybe I was 20 between 20 20 and 25 or something it would have been around that time i mean lyrically that there's a there's a real richness in sort of the storytelling with the with the the songs that you you guys do and what are you drawing upon in terms of the lyrical content is it is it like a personal response or are you drawing off other members from the band or experiences yeah it's, it's probably a mix of all those things i mean definitely for us music's a way of or it always has been for me it's a way of making sense of the world and the things that I see and the experiences and how mm. I feel I think feel incredibly lucky as a musician to have this sort of cathartic place that I can always go and I think really count myself lucky in that respect it's a way of you know expressing yourself and and also just that understanding how you feel about things so it's always it, it, it's very much it's a selfish process really you know mm. you kind of just when I started it was I was just doing it to, for myself that it made me you know to there's more of a cathartic 
way of figuring out how I, how I felt about things. And, and it's, that's very much stayed the same, really. And was there a moment when you guys, in the early days, I guess the very early sort of sort of session times or rehearsal times where you where something clicked and you realised that you'd created this, the slow show sound? Or was it something that you had to work towards or try and figure out different kind of incarnations of? Yeah, we, I, I think we're, it, we're different in, 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 a, in the way that we started, perhaps, with the band. We never had an idea how we would sound, but I, I think often when bands start, they, they, they start by looking for people that are into the same kind of things. And, and we did the opposite without, we didn't try to, but we were all into completely different stuff. Joel was a, like a, a, a very much a traditional jazz guitar player. Chris, uh, Fred was into kind of classical music. Yeah. Um, he was a classical musician. Yeah, I, I was into folk, folky, poppy stuff. Chris was into brass bands. And I think the sound of the slow show is just the mix of all of those influences, really. It's very landscapey, for, for want of a better word. So you kind of create this, it's, it's almost like a movie soundtrack so that sounds like cliche but there definitely is that element to it where it builds and you have lots of orchestral elements sort of you have the choir that I know you sometimes play with as well live I mean how important is it for you to stamp everything with that kind of that style or, or is it not something you always gravitate towards if that makes sense that question sorry it, it, no it, it does and it's, it's a quite an important one for us because I think some I think it's a really important question to ask ourselves when we have a general rule which is just the song is always the most important thing and, it, and if it requires a an orchestra to create the feeling that we want to create we use it but it's very we're very careful not to fall into sort of um just going with if you know if an orchestra sounds beautiful and big and warm mm. and it's very easy just to throw strings or an acquire on something and make it sound huge but sometimes the song doesn't require that at all it needs to be intimate and really kind of bare and just a skeleton of chords and yeah. words so um that's a question we ask ourselves a lot you know what does this song need and we're all, we're always trying to create like just moments of feeling and, and that's really important to us so if if the feeling requires huge swells of, 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 of orchestral movements then mm-hmm. that we go with that but sometimes just a, an old little guitar and a, and a vocal is enough so yeah um, we don't we, we certainly want to um we don't want to do things because we've done it in the past and it works you know and does everybody have a lot of input in the writing process i mean do you all kind of come to the table with something it's changed very much, and I think that's a big part of why the records have evolved. And when we started it, I think it'd be fair to say I would, I would write the songs mainly on an acoustic guitar, hmm. um, and then Fred would produce them, and then Joel and Chris would put their parts on, which were very important, but they were at a much later stage of the guitar and the drums. And, and that slowly evolved into a point where the last record, I think everybody was involved and starting ideas. And we were, it, it was very important that it, for us that it didn't, if I start the songs as a sort of singer songwriter on my guitar, they tend to go in a, in one direction. Yeah. And I think for, for us to get, to remain excited and to be, feel like we were doing something that 
excited us. It was important to sort of uh, examine the the procedure, the writing process, and we've changed that a lot. So now it's very much a, a group effort, and I think we get it much. We get it really interesting results, which is nice. And, and in those songwriting moments, are you thinking about collaborations as well, or does that something that comes a bit later on? Because you have guests, like a lot of the time, you have some guest female vocalists as well. But are you thinking of that as you're writing, or is it like I say, is that something that comes later? Yeah, I think so. I mean. We always use the vocals like another instrument, but I think the vocals are particularly good at sort of helping tell a story. So I really like the idea of a, the vocal isn't just for just for sound in that respect. It's kind of nice to get a, a call and response or a, to for a song to sound like a conversation. So often when we use a second vocal, it's often to to have a to be a second person, a second narrative, yeah. or someone else's a perspective. That's the word I'm looking for. That yeah. it kind of gives that second perspective on a situation. So um, we, we're often thinking of that. Because you bring it right down to sometimes spoken word, don't you? In terms of the delivery of the vocal, did that sort of something that you worked on, or did that come by accident? Because it's, I mean, obviously looking at the albums that you've produced, there is a definite change in terms of you know the boldness of the tracks on the newer recordings and how you've evolved and how you've managed to, like you say, using your voice as a an additional instrument, if you like, and treating it that way and and adding the depth that 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 like spoken soft delivery adds but yeah in terms of finding that was that something that came by accident or was it was it something that you knew you had in you yeah it, w- it was probably accidental we've always evolved quite slowly with things and, and um was, yeah it was nothing that i can it was it wasn't anything we thought for this record we're going to have spoken word but it, the tracks just seemed to again the songs seemed to benefit from from that and um, I mean, I've always written a lot of poetry and that always found its way into the, the music, but it was always sang uh, or sung. And now um, Mountbatten was the first song that we that we worked on for this new record. And, and that spoken word just seemed um, very appropriate. So we were quite happy with it. So, yeah. And so recording the latest album or the, the album that's coming out, uh, Still Life, with this kind of recent situation with recording, I mean, did you find that it wasn't so much of a stretch, you know, in terms of doing it separately potentially and getting it produced elsewhere? Because a lot of musicians are have turned to that approach, but it's it suits more uh, some musicians more than others because of the insular nature of writing and producing. And how did you find the kind of whole pandemic situation with regards to that? Yeah, we we found it really hard, um, and that probably I, I think. Yeah, to, to be very honest, we found it very hard. Um, we shouldn't have found it as hard as we did because we've always recorded remotely. Mm. But I think we, we really didn't appreciate the importance of the, the moments where, when we were together. So in the past, uh, I've lived here for a, a, a while. So on the, on the last record, some of it was recorded here in Manchester and all over the place. But we would always get together probably every six weeks to meet, to sort of talk about what the songs, how they were going, how we could improve them. If we were having any any problems with the song, mm. uh, we would work on it together. And I think those moments of togetherness were were so important. They are so important for us. So to have, we, we had two years basically of, 
absolutely relentless. And it, it, it was difficult. We had, mm. to, we had to sort of get our heads around that and, and find solutions to, to it. And so um, we found it hard. But I guess what's missing in those situations, if you aren't, you know, if you're not led by anyone in particular, is but the spontaneity of you know being musicians in a room and having and coming up with something different in front of everybody everyone going oh that's that's a different yeah. thing you know yeah you just can't do that with like you know messages and emails mm. and even, yeah you know zoom thing it just felt like we was just lacking a good evening together at times even just to sit down as friends and you know it got it, it felt very it, 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 yeah you lose that that friendship that yeah. you miss you miss that friendship you know, and that sort of band mentality i guess you're very excited then to be kind of getting back on the road and doing things properly so um the tour's coming up isn't it uh or have you when did when does that start that starts in february and hopefully and uh but um yeah we we can't wait i mean we got together in december for the first time in, in, in just under two years and it, it was so nice you know it was uh sounds obvious but i think we uh we've been busy in the past and spent a lot of time together but i think we've always savored and appreciated the, the opportunities that we have as a band but mm. I, i've got no doubt we're gonna just just savor every moment of it going mm. forward because you, you know it's a cliche but you really it's not until something's taken away from you you realize how important it is and how much you what a are you bringing any sort of anything different to this tour or any guests or yeah we are we have a a, a guest a vocalist and a, 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 an extra musician from from club she's fantastic so we really had some incredible moments with her making music um so far and um uh, really excited about special guests so we're gonna we're, we're really looking forward to it it'll be it, we hope it'll feel really well good luck with it all uh rob and um i'm looking forward to hearing the new album the new album comes out in february as well doesn't it it does yeah so i'm uh, looking forward to it hope, hope well, you like it it's been an absolute pleasure thanks so much for giving up your time rob to speak to me about the band and where you're going and and stuff and the recording process has been really interesting and uh, good luck with the tour and the album Thank you, Chris. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye.